I bet one thing you've been wondering is, how can I do Jason and Doug a bit of a solid this week? If you were wondering that, we deeply appreciate the thought. <laughs> uh, well, and here, I'll tell you how. You can do us a nice big favor by taking a one-minute doable discipleship survey. Very short. I'll be honest, it could take you more than a minute, only if you intentionally wait after each question or if you have and drag issues. it out. Yeah. Or some malfunction of your device, whatever. But if you take this survey at a normal pace, it will take you less than 60 seconds. That's my pledge to you. Uh, and here's why we would love for you to do this. Uh, we would love to gather some information on you so that we know how we can serve you better in the future, where you're listening from, uh, just all kinds of little tiny details that we'd like to collect, uh, totally anonymously, by the way. You don't have to give us any personal info. We just want to get to know you a little bit so that we can make sure that we we point our episodes and the topics that we discuss right at you. So please take the time to do that. The link is in the show notes, so you don't need to like remember some you know, random link or anything like that. Just go down there, clicks, you know, use your podcast app, go down in the YouTube description, wherever you may be watching from or listening from. Please just pause for a second and do that for us right now. Pull over, do whatever you have to do, do that in a safe way. <laughs> but please take that little survey. You not can really help us out. And, but think of it like this. You're not helping us out. You're helping yourself because by helping wow. us with this, we help can then serve you better. help you. Yeah. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a Jason original. No, I think it's a saying. It is. I'm just messing with you. Okay, whatever. Hey, please enjoy the episode. Blessings to you. (laughs) (laughs) We made a bet to see if he would do it. (laughs) I couldn't. I couldn't do a formal (laughs) greeting without choking you up. Tried. Anyway, hey, this is Doable Discipleship. My name's Doug Jones. Jason, uh, sorry, I always wonder if you're going to say my name too. And I'm Jason Wheeler. Yeah, this is a Saddleback Church podcast and YouTube show designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or as we call it, the show that helps you grow. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about today? All Jason? right, guys, we are heading into part five of our talk on the relationship principles of Jesus. We have had four very riveting discussions mm-hmm. uh, up to this point. And then uh, today we're on number five. So um, if you're if you're fresh to the podcast, welcome. Uh, go back a few episodes and, uh, and tune into the beginning of this series because these principles are all six very important principles um, to help you um, better your relationships, to help yeah. you look at relationships the way that Jesus did. Some um, of you might be grazers. You just sort of pop over to Doable Discipleship every once in a while and have a little bite here, a little bite there. Yeah. So if you haven't heard the whole series, you can go back. Episode 53 is where we kicked it all off. Yeah. And, and I shouldn't get, say Jesus does. You can get all wanna, caught up. I want to switch that. What did you say? I said Jesus did. I want to say Jesus does. Ah, good, good. He Present is tense. alive. He is risen. He is alive. Um, okay, so this week we're talking about uh, the greatest are the servants. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about this week. In our theme verse, you'll find in Matthew 23, verses 11 through 12, it says, The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Good stuff. So one thing we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about today, I think we can kind of tie everything back to this one big idea, is how human beings handle their desire for greatness. Yeah. We, for, for whatever reason, uh, chalk it up to the fall or whatever, we have a desire for greatness, which is not a bad thing in itself, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, but a desire 
for greatness that can very, very easily be twisted or misshapen or can kind of go out of control in some really unhealthy ways. And so what we're going to talk about today is how biblically and looking at Christ as the model, we can handle that. And one thing that, one point that Tom makes in the book, which I think is really important, is that Jesus didn't condemn his disciples' desire for greatness. Instead, he redirected it. It's super important. This is this is key, and it was a topic that came up all the time. The, the disciples would start squabbling about, you know, who's going to be at your right hand when you when you're entering yeah. into your father's house and all this stuff. And I'm the greatest disciple. Yeah, every once in a while, this topic would come up, and Jesus would have to kind of like help them sort through that, redirect that desire. And he never said none of you should want to be great. Instead, what he did is he redirected or redefined the way they were viewing greatness. Pastor Tom has a quote in the book on page two fifty three, which I will read now. It says. It's easy to think that being humble means we pretend we don't have any desires for greatness. According to Jesus, nothing could be further from the truth. When his disciples expressed ambitions for greatness, Jesus didn't tell them to stop wanting to be great. Instead, he told them, anyone wanting to be the greatest must be the least, the servant of all. We all have a desire for greatness, and Jesus taught us to translate our desires for greatness into actions of humility. He taught us to translate our desire to be significant into a, de- into a decision to serve. When you learn to plug this truth into your life, it will result in the greatest relationships possible and the greatest life possible. Mm-hmm. Exclamation mark at the end of that one. <clears throat> so human beings have sort of a, a, a built-in desire for greatness, and that's not a bad thing. God made human beings with a grand destiny in mind for them. So, I mean, you were placed in this extravagantly generous uh, dwelling place, this universe on this earth, and God called you through Adam uh, to not only exist in his image, but also to uh, have dominion over the earth and to to sort of be the under rulers through which God could have dominion over all things. And so there's just like a real, there is an extremely lofty um, picture in God's mind of what human beings are meant to be, a truly great picture. The problem is when we begin, rather than trying to pursue the kind of greatness that God desires for us, we begin redefining greatness in terms of personal prestige or wealth or power or whatever that may be. Accomplishment is a big one we've talked about in this series, mm-hmm. how sometimes we try to justify our existence through our accomplishments, all kinds of stuff. But Jesus taught that in the kingdom, in his kingdom, it all comes down to humility and service, and that the way to become, literally, not just figuratively, <laughs> this isn't just cute, this isn't just Jesus being inspirational, literally, the way to become great in the eyes of God is to humble yourself and to become a servant of others. Yeah. It's, I mean, and, and that's really what it is, is we're looking at this series on relationships, right? So greatness, it, it, if we're talking about, about relationships, it can't be defined as the self. It can yeah. only be defined as how we interact with others. And uh, in, in, in the bigger picture, it's, it's in bringing glory to God. Yeah. But in our relational issues, it's the humbling of yourself, it's being a servant, it's doing things for others. It's like what we talked about in the second part of the series where we talked about how lo- uh, the actions of love yeah. and doing the, and being kind and patient and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like that's where the greatness in relationships is found. Yeah, and you can tell, you can tell that that's the way to become great because it's not, not, only, uh, not only is it taught clearly in the scriptures, but you see it transform your relationships when you begin to apply those principles there. Yeah. So Tom, the end of the quote on page 253 that we just read talked about that it's not just the key to the best 
life personally, but it's the key to the best relationships possible as well. Um, I, there, there's something that I learned, I think it was in an astronomy class that I took in, in my undergrad at Cal State Long Beach. Um, and, and there's this, there's this concept in physics or a, there's a, a type of object in physics called a black body. And a black body, I actually have the more clinical definition here, I, that way I don't just wing it, but it's a surface that absorbs all radiant energy falling on it. It says the term arises because incident visible light is absorbed rather than reflected, and therefore the surface appears black. And, and this is, when I heard about a black body, it almost immediately triggered for me sort of an analogy to the Christian life and um, kind of what we don't want to become. That uh, we, we actually touched on the topic of glory a few weeks ago in an episode. Actually, it was several weeks ago. And we talked about maybe we'll discuss this more in the future. But you have this picture in the Bible of God being light, and then there's darkness, which is contrasted. There's mm-hmm. goodness, which is light, and then there's darkness, which is contrasted with that. And <clears throat> when I read and learned for the first time about this black body, it, to me, this kind of it kind of created a picture of what a person looks like who is completely self-absorbed. Where this kind of person, a person who is analogous to this black body, is a person who wants all the goodness and all the blessings and all the light of life to shine upon them, but they don't want to reflect any of that yeah, back to anyone else. It. They absorb it all. And the contrast of that is that Jesus calls us, and Paul talks about this in the New Testament as well, we're called to be a reflection of God's glory. So the goal for the Christian is to become as reflective as possible in order to let all the goodness and all the blessings and all the light that God shines upon us to reflect onto those around us. And that in so doing, we actually become... we become more visible. That's that's a very palpable way of picturing how we share in God's glory, that we become a reflection of the glory that He creates, that He shines upon us. And so if you think of hell as ultimate darkness, as the place where people are turned completely in on themselves, Mm. and heaven is the place of ultimate light where God's light is radiating mm-hmm. constantly on his people and reflected by his people in their love and their care for one another. You, you see those pictured that way. This is the thought that came to me the other day. When I bring self-centeredness into my relationships, I'm literally bringing a little bit of hell into that relationship because the ultimate principle of hell is me, not you. Yeah. Whereas it's a me first mentality. Whereas the ultimate principle of heaven is God and others over myself. And it's this idea that we all get our personal needs met by meeting each other's needs, that someone's always there to care for me and I'm there to care for them. Mm. And so when you when you bring self-centeredness into a relationship, this may seem dramatic, but it's actually it's actually when you think about I it, I think it's it's yeah. it's scarily true. You're bringing a little piece of hell into that relationship. Whereas if you bring humility into a relationship the way Jesus did, you're bringing, you're offering a little glimpse of heaven in that relationship. And so there's real power in this, and this is why the way that we behave toward one another in relationship has such power, and it's not just powerful to transform relationships for the good, it also is indicative of, of our hearts and yeah. which direction that we're headed internally. So anyway, that black body idea really struck me a long time ago, and I haven't been able to shake it. So I'm always, I'm part of this is the framework that I always think of is, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the person that takes and takes and takes and absorbs and absorbs and absorbs and gives nothing to anyone else. I want to strive to become that reflective, yeah. the reflective, um, the reflection of God. Anyway. That's good. No, that's a good point. That's great. I hope that, I hope that that sits with you guys right now for a so, little bit. That's great. Let me make sure we... 
uh, I didn't take us too from the point. The point there was that Jesus didn't condemn his disciples' desire for greatness. He redirected it. In, a, in essence, he's saying, stop trying to absorb. Instead, reflect. Reflect. That's kind of a picture of it. That's so good. Uh, did you want to give a quick shout out to Cal State Long Beach mascot? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't remember what it is. It's... I don't. I remember I don't people saying "Go Beach," but <laughs> that's all I remember. Okay, well, the Cal State Long Beach Beach. <laughs> I neither care about my time at Cal State Long Beach because I don't consider it very formative. Other yeah, than this okay. analogy, well, I just thought you might or have care about to give sports, a shout out. So. Maybe there's some listeners that uh, that go to Cal State Long Beach. Yeah, I don't so even consider it my alma mater because I only well, did three semesters there. But well, you're making those listeners sad right now. <laughs> Um, oh, all of you comment or email. <laughs> email Jason W. It's no, don't do that. <laughs> okay, um, so point number two in this principle is that we must redirect our ambitions toward God's plan. And this is something you started to hark on a little bit um, at the end when you were talking about the black body bit. Um, but but this point, the essential here is is this is where your motive is key, right? Is am I ambitious about bringing God's will or my own. And this is something we've talked about uh, a couple of times throughout this series, but it's so key and it's so vital that we want to make sure that it gets ample attention here. Um, it's the question of motive. Is mm. Are you focused on bringing attention, glory, accomplishment, achievement to yourself, to your own name, mm. to uh, promoting you, or are you focused on reflecting that onto God and pointing it back to God? Mm. Or you focus on, on on making your ambitions God's ambitions, and that's something that's so big that that we're going to talk about it a little bit in detail. Mm. But I want to hit this quote uh, from Pastor Tom because it's so good. We're on page two fifty eight of the book. He says, um, "If you have a plan or idea that grows out of the humble recognition that you are God's creation, who is given responsibility for this world and desires to reflect His image, go for it." You have found the fertile ground from which God-given ambitions grow. We need more godly ambition in this world. It is not wrong to have ambition. It's wrong to have selfish ambitions. But the problem isn't that we're ambitious. The problem is that we, are, we often allow pride to drive our ambition rather than choosing to let humility manage our ambitions. Man, that I is love true. I love that last line, let humility manage and drive your ambitions. Yeah. Because when you're doing it from a humble place, then you are doing it for God. Is You are, are is literally asking God every day, God, what is it that you want to do through me today? Hmm. How do you want to use me? And it's putting it onto him. It's, it's giving yourself and surrendering to his plan. And that's true in all things, but it's importantly true in, in our relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, as we approach other people, as we are 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 in relationship with other people, we want to make sure that we're pointing people back to what God is doing. Yeah, back to how God has been working, back to God's glory, yeah. and not you know not being self promoting. Yeah, but being God promoting. Um, <laughs> That's the hashtag for this episode. Be, yeah, be God, God promoting. <laughs> yeah, uh, and okay, and this does not mean uh, we want to make this clear. This does not mean that you have to quit your job and go into full time ministry, right? Yeah. It is simply means doing. It means doing what you can and what you must, and give God control over all that you do. Yeah. So whether or not you're a, a a butcher, you can or a baker. Here we or go. Or a candlestick maker. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Uh, big smile. Yeah. From me. On. Oh, they're still clapping. Not Let's from you, Doug. No. Nope, <laughs> feeling smile. proud of yourself. <laughs> I, I wrote it on my notes. <laughs> you did not. I did. Well, yeah, you did. Right I there. did because I, I thought about it. Anyway. Good times. Um, okay. The fact is, uh, the point is, no matter what you are doing, if you are offering it to God, and, and if you are saying, God, what is it that you have me do based on, on, on your shape, we can, you know, but on the skills and the talents, you know, that God has given you, the passions God has given you, you can do that for God. Yeah. Right? Jesus gave us the ultimate example of this, and, and I wish I had my phone with me because I would look up this verse while you're talking, but um, I, I think it's in Hebrews, but there's, there's this contrast between Jesus's, not contrast, but there's a correlation that's made between the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his resurrection with the the greatness of his name and the bowing of every knee. And there's this picture, I'll put it in the show notes because I, I need to, I, I wish I had a better brain for this kind of thing, but I'll put the verse in the show notes. But there's this passage that says that Jesus laid down his life, he sacrificed himself, he was faithful, he was mm-hmm. obedient to God unto death, and because of that, yeah. it is his name that is greater than any other name, that he is glorified ultimately. So it's through his ultimate sacrifice that he is ultimately glorified. So he in himself is a very, you know, palpable picture of exactly the, the idea that we're conveying today and that Tom is, has, is making in this portion of the book, that it is through sacrifice that in the kingdom of God you are elevated to the highest possible level. Yeah, and it's a point that Paul makes constantly throughout his epistles is, hey, is, is point all, all the praise and all the glory and all the honor to Christ. Yeah. Don't point it to me. Yeah, uh, and that's something that's so important. So, 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 just just to hit this home, is use your ambition to honor God and do good to others. Yeah, and then do all things with integrity. Yeah, that's that's something we've talked about a lot in this series because it's so vital. Mm. But we just want to make sure we hit this point: is yeah. is redirecting from our own will, our own plans to God's plans. Yeah, yeah, everything that you do vocationally or whatever, everything that you do can be done as if unto God, right? So you can, you, everything that you do, you can do as an act of sacrifice to God, just by bringing that kind of goodness and integrity and, and others-centeredness into the yeah. things that you do, regardless of what that is. And at the end of the episode, we're going to have a very simple and practical, doable based around this point. So, so stick doable. around for that. So doable. All right, number three, we must let God satisfy our need to be noticed. Um, and this is it, this is where we each have a, a childlike instinct to gain the attention of others. You yeah. know, like my two kids do this all the time. Like you can't you cannot do anything for one that you don't do for the other. They both are competing <laughs> for attention all the time, and um, that's just kind of a fact of childhood. But we don't really ever grow out of it. We just sort of it just changes. Yeah. But there's still this desire to be seen, to be noticed, and to be appreciated. Which again, um, just like the desire for greatness more broadly, is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But it's something that we have to learn to to direct properly. Yeah. And, and the big idea there is we've got to learn uh, to look to God as our primary audience. We let Him be the one that we're primarily trying to please, the one that we're focused on, rather than, gosh, that is a squeaky mic stand, <laughs> rather than others or that kind of thing. It doesn't mean you don't serve others, but it means that your, your ultimate audience is Christ Himself. Yeah. There's a passage that's a bit long, but this is Jesus his own teaching on this. And I want to read it, even though it's a little lengthy, because I'm not going to ever be able to say it better than he already has. So uh, we're going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Six verses, but please enjoy. 
It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. I love that phrase too, practice your righteousness in front of others. It, like, that's so pra- yeah. Look how great I am. Yeah. Um, he says, if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets <laughs> to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So the recognition that they get from other people is all the recognition they're ever going to get. Imagine if we announce things with trumpets still. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Jason refilled my water (laughs) cup, everyone. (laughs) Uh, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So the same punchline is being repeated here over and over again. And then he transitions from there into uh, the Lord's Prayer, which we all know so well. Um, and then he makes a few more uh, teachings on the same topic after that. But the point is, we ought not to worry about the opinion of others, specifically about whether they notice us and whether we get recognition from them. Because we've got to remember that God always does. God always sees what's done in secret. It's, it's, su- it's such a matter of the way of this world to want to try to get the most attention from the most amount of people. Yeah. Because... That's the way that the world it kind, of, kind of defines what greatness is. is yeah. Greatness is, is how known are you right. by the most amount of people. And it yeah. doesn't mean that you're known for good things, <laughs> yeah. you, know, it, you know, whether you're famous or infamous. But, but yeah. what Jesus is saying here is completely is turning it on its head. It's saying you don't need to, you know, have trumpets blaring your name. Like, you don't need to, you know, be telling everybody about what you did. Yeah. Like, all that matters is that the Father knows. Yeah. And that's that's the For only sure. one that you should be trying to please. Yeah, and and all the all the worldly stuff and the attention of others that all goes away. All that is it fades. Even the history books, you know, people who want to leave a legacy, even that in a thousand years will amount to nothing. Yeah. Whereas the memory of God is eternal, and the rewards that He offers for those who serve Him faithfully are eternal. So we've got to just start stretching our perspective out into eternity and not just in the here and now. Because yeah. that's Jesus's point here. He says, they've already received their reward in full by doing this. So the the simple temporal recognition that they got from others, it's already gone. Yeah. And they've, in order to get that, they forfeited the eternal and like the truly great recognition of their heavenly father. That's a, that's a big problem. Tom has a quote on page 270 that I'll read, which is really good. It says, The only way to be cured of the need to be noticed is to begin noticing other people's needs. Mm. So th- this is huge. This really taps into the essence of Jesus' message throughout this, is that you've got to turn your attention toward others. So look to God for attention. Turn your attention toward the needs of others. This is the, this is the model of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is one of my favorite verses because it. Um, I, I just think it's a really encouraging one. Whenever you're in the middle of doing something that is thankless and just seems to really be lacking in pizzazz or any source of recognition, this is a verse that I I really like to go to. It says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So this is a way that we can sanctify even the smallest, simplest things that we do, that in everything that we do, if we dedicate it to the Lord, it's not useless because He always sees. 
Yeah, that's so good. Um, our our fourth our fourth point for today is is that we must stop measuring ourselves against each other. Hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is, guys, that the comparison game is unwinnable. Yeah, it is unwinnable. Um, there, uh, no matter which way you look at it, <laughs> the house always wins. <laughs> the house always wins. Yeah. Um, and it's, and so the goal is, as we've been talking about with these other points, it's redirecting our focus because honestly, if we let, if we let it, this comparison game, it will just keep sending us up this ladder of, I need more, I need to achieve more, I need to be better, I need to look better, I need more, you know, and it's, it just goes to nowhere because yeah. you're always going to be comparing against someone else if you think in that way. Yeah. Um, instead, what we want to talk about is is what is is what we call the witty principle. Yeah, which means this is a good Rickism. W- yeah, which means what is it to ya? <laughs> I think you got to end it with a ya, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you did. What is it to ya? I think that's a better way to say it. Yeah, you can put the emphasis wherever you like. What is what is it to ya? <laughs> yeah. That's anyway. the Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> it was. Okay, that was okay. Um, can this, you say that again? Because I think it might have got lost. Whatever. The, the witty principle. Off. What is it to you? Yeah. All right. Um, and, and, and this goes back to kind of in John uh, chapter 21, um, Peter starts to um, basically, he, he, he's talking with Jesus and he's saying, hey, um, what's going to happen with that guy? Like what, you know, he's, he's speaking of John and Jesus says, uh, what does it matter to you if I let John live until I come back? And it's it's basically saying, um, that's not your business, that's my business. Yeah. But I love how he ends that little phrase right there. He says, you must follow me. He's yeah. saying, uh, focus on the on what I've asked you to do, yeah. which is to follow me. And what he's actually saying there, because he's just revealed to Peter in, in sort of, in semi-cryptic terms, but it was clear that Peter understood. He was, yeah. he was conveying that Peter would one day be crucified as well. Mm-hmm. And Peter very understandably goes like, well, any other guys yeah. here are going to get what, are, Is he going to die? Is he yeah, gonna, I mean, yeah. I can fully understand. So he looks to John, he's like, well, what about that guy? And Jesus says, what is it to you? You follow me. And there's a little double entendre there because he's saying, you follow me because you're my disciple. You do what yeah. I say you ought to do. But oh, it's also, also gonna be. you will also suffer a similar fate yeah. as me. But Peter also, over the course of his discipleship and down the road, came to realize that in doing that, Peter talked, like, in, in Peter's epistles, there is some, he talks a lot about suffering and the importance of suffering mm-hmm. and how um, how we join Christ in glory through sharing his suffering. Um, so he came to recognize that, but yeah, there's a double meaning there. Jesus, follow me, you will also be following me to a cross. Yeah. And I, but as we speak of the principle, it's it's keeping focused on the task, on the mission that God has given you. It's not yeah. it's not pointing to other people's and saying, "Oh, like why can't I be that person? Well, why can't you give me that assignment? Like why can't you bless me the way that you bless that person?" Yeah, it's focusing on your own relationship with God because God has a plan and purpose specific and unique to your life yeah. that only you can fulfill in what He wants you to do. Yeah, and so. So it's it's trying to um, take your it's it's putting these blind uh, and keeping all these other people and comparisons out of the way, mm-hmm. and just saying, okay, Lord, I want to focus on what it is you want me to do. Yeah, on uh, you know, and that's it's very important. Yeah, I've sometimes said that to myself, you know, 
What is that to you? What is that to you? Yeah. When you're tempted to look at somebody else and what they've got or where they are in life or what God seems to be doing sure. in their life, it's so easy to get down that road. But I just remind myself every once in a while, what is it to you? You follow me. What is it to you? And I think it, part of that is because God's measuring us on a completely different standard than the one that we're looking at. Like We're looking at each other, and it's all very subjective, yeah. but God has a bigger, more objective plan that he's that he's accomplishing and we have a role in that so we we do ourselves a favor by saying forget that stuff i gotta just stay focused on god because his his ways are higher and i think like in god's perspective there's no small part in his plan it may yeah. seem small to you like whatever it is that god has you doing or engage but it's big to him yeah and and, and while somebody else may think look at all that that person gets to do or is doing it's, it doesn't mean that it's any greater in terms of God's perspective yeah. than what he wants you to do. Yeah. And it could just be something as simple as helping your neighbors, you know, and bringing them to Christ yeah. rather than the person who, you know, is is seen and is known and is public and everything like yeah. that. Is keep in mind that God's perspective on this is very different than our own. Heaven will be full of surprises that way. Heaven will be full of surprises. Guys, it's our favorite time of the episode. You know what time that is? Doable time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how long I can get you to wait. <laughs> that was, okay. You had the eyebrows raised. I got tricked. Um, okay. So, uh, guys, Matthew 23, 12 says, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We mentioned that we had a great, easy, practical, doable for you this episode. Here it is. We want you to take Pastor Tom's daily test of greatness. So all you got to do is write on a post-it note my daily test of greatness, and then right underneath it have two check boxes, and right next to each one of them, either I will exalt myself or I will humble myself. And then right underneath it, write check one. <laughs> And every day, that's your daily test for greatness. Are you going to humble yourself that day, or are you going to exalt yourself that day? Yeah. And, and make, it a ha- make a habit out of thinking that way. Because you can, in every single conversation that you have with the people in your life, you have, this, you have this question before you. You know, in this conversation, am I going to seek to get my own way, or am I going to seek to serve? Am, in other words, am I going to exalt myself, or am I going to humble myself? Am I going to be like the old me? Or am I going to strive to be like Christ in this interaction? So yeah, stick that thing in your car or somewhere prominent where you'll see it often and let it be a reminder. I need to be thinking this way. This is a way to reinforce a habit of thought. Cause yourself to confront this question often. It's a very, very simple thing, um, but it can have a very big formative effect on us. And just a reminder, if if you physically check one of those boxes... You got to make a new make a new card, yeah, because you can't take for granted that you're going to answer it the mm-hmm. same way. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw another wrinkle onto that. Okay. At the beginning of the day, you ask Ooh. yourself, "Yeah, will I humble myself? Will I exalt myself?" At the end of the day, you ask, "Did I, did I mm. exalt myself or humble myself?" So then, there's sort of a there's an accountability to this question. That's good because you can you, you can just check the right box in the morning and feel all great about yourself. But then you got to come to the end of the day and go, "Did I every live morning it? put the did I one right back on your pillow so that when you go to bed <laughs> you have to acknowledge that it's there before going to bed." <laughs> yeah, you get the idea, don't you, everybody? The trade. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up here. We got another great episode coming up next week. We're going to be finishing up the series through the relationship principles of Jesus. You simply can't miss it. I mean, you can miss it. 
we encourage you not to. You'll regret it. You really will. And take the survey. Oh, yes, and don't forget to take the survey that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. You can really help us help you. Uh, That's it. We love you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.